Week one was all about insurmountable obstacles. And what do we do when there's these giant boulders that have been rolled in our way, and yet we feel like we're supposed to go do something? How do we push forward and go do the things we've been called to do, even if there's an insurmountable obstacle in the way? Jesus came to roll away stones, literally and metaphorically. Resurrection changes everything. And we are invited to follow the Jesus who is rolling away stones and out ahead of us in the world. Uh, Last week, uh, back in the same passage of Mark 16, we talked about these three women who set out with hope and courage in spite of the circumstances and the facts and the opposition that they knew that they would face. And in a world, their world, our world, in a world filled with cynicism and saturated in fear, is it possible that following Jesus can actually fuel hope and stir up courage in us for the world that we face, for the world that we live in, for the world that we have been given and called to live well in. And last week we talked about this, and I think the answer is yes, following Jesus can fuel hope and fill us with courage. But we find ourselves as people of hope and courage not by believing differently. So it's not like exchange one idea and put in a little bit of a better idea for us to mull over and think about trapped in our brains. That's not how we get filled up with hope. That's not how courage is stirred up in us. Instead, those things happen by living out hope in the way that we engage with our neighbors, in the ways that we invest our time. We practice and grow in courage by standing up against broken systems, by speaking out against prejudice. Those things grow courage in us. In other words, we follow Jesus and we trust that God's good news grows as well, if not better, through actions that move through our bodies and like engage our muscles. God's good news grows as well through actions rather than ideas that can so oftentimes just get stuck in our heads. So we're not just a community that wants to think differently about the world or think better thoughts about God or about ourselves. We're actually a community that wants to put these things into practice, as Paul says in the New Testament. So we don't want stuff to get stuck in our brain, but move through our bodies and and be transmitted into our neighborhoods through our actions, through our lives. So tonight we're back in the same passage, Mark 16, 1 through 8. We're going to read it in a second. Um, And I want us to think a little bit more about fear This is a passage that talks a lot about fear. It talks about courage. And I want us to investigate our relationship with fear and how fear impacts our life and consider how we might grow courage as we follow Jesus in the world. So we're going to read this passage in a second, but first I want to hear a couple of pop-up thoughts. Like, what were you afraid of as a kid? It can be really specific, or you can, like, make it super general. What are kids afraid of? Snakes in their closet? In your closet. That's what you were afraid of as a kid. Great. Snakes in Julie's closet. Monsters with really long arms. Yeah, totally. Dragons? Yep. Terrifying. The dentist? Yes. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Not very often at open door, but for the dentist fear, yes, you can get an amen. Um, what are kids afraid of? What were you afraid of as a kid? Getting lost. It's like a terrifying thought. Like you're in the shopping mall and all of a sudden you can't see your parent. Yeah. Missing out. FOMO right from an early age. Door to door salesman. This is a specific fear to you as a kid. Yeah, amazing. I mean, we'll talk 
What? What'd you say? I missed the second half, which is, I'm going to, yeah, totally. You never know what they're doing at the door. The guy in the white van, yeah. That was like something that like our generation was like trained to be afraid of, to like be on the watch, look out for. This is the thing that's going to happen. Um, statistically not actually the case from what I've heard. What? Yeah, the, 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 the creep who offers the kid candy. It's like, get your candy away from me and get it away fast. Because I love candy and I want to say yes, but get away from me. Losing the dark. Losing the dark. Losing, comma, the dark, comma. Yeah. Um, I was afraid of spiders. Uh, I was telling uh, Brian that I was... Uh, Gosh, I was afraid of, like, sweating through my clothes and being super sweaty. And my, my sophomore year of high school, I was on I, crutches the entire year and, like, full leg cast for half the year. And then the other half of the year, another full leg cast. I was a sweaty mess. This is my sophomore year of high school, like, acne popping, like, wild, uh, super sweaty, voice cracking. That was another thing I was terrified of, speaking out loud when my voice was changing and, like, having a crack in the middle of reading Shakespeare. Terrifying thought to me. It's getting real now. It's getting real. <laughs> Um, as a kid, I was, a, I was terrified that my parents were going to get a divorce. Um, the thought, like, captured my imagination and fear consumed me. My parents did get a divorce, and I navigated my way through it. Sometimes fear is like that, right? Like, you have these fears, and then the snakes are actually in the closet. <laughs> the door-to-door salesman actually shows up. It's not, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, what are the things that we're afraid of as adults? Let's keep it on a general level. What are things that adults in our world are afraid of? Again, popcorn. Kids? Yes. What'd you say? Children. Yeah, I heard you right the first time, and then I'm like, no, that can't be right. Kids. Yeah. Still door-to-door salesmen. Yeah, people, we don't want strangers knocking on our door, right? That's, that's, a, that's not a, even a specific thing. That's like a, a general thing. Like, who are these people knocking on our door? Failure. Same? Failure on two sides of the room. Anyone else failure? Yeah. Again, not specific. We're talking generally. So, Losing people. Death. Letting people down. Yeah, earthquake, natural disaster. It's a thing that people spend time fearful about. Finances. Yep. Yeah, not having true friends, waking up and realizing, like, who are these people around me, and is, is there anyone who knows me? Gosh, now it's getting real. I'm like, oh, jeez, like, this is totally. Um, I was just in Yosemite this past week just for one night, spent some time in the valley, and then Hetch Hetchy. Um, but, like, spent some time watching people climb El Capitan. Uh, and if anyone saw Free Solo, or everyone's probably heard about Free Solo, this guy who just climbed it with, like, a bag of chalk and, like, a pair of Nikes. They weren't Nikes. He had, he had climbing shoes on, but no ropes, nothing, hook, nothing hooking him into the wall, nothing keeping him there other than his own sense of balance and gravity. Like, watching people do stuff like that, like the heights. Like, most adults probably aren't afraid of heights, but then you could talk about, like, thousands and thousands of feet on, like, a sheer face of granite, and we're like, yeah, most of us probably aren't, like, super excited about, about that, even with a rope. Like, I do it with a rope, but without a rope, I don't know. Um, third question, a general titter of laughter around the room. Um, third question, we're all nervous because we're talking about the things we're most afraid of. Third question, what are you specifically afraid of? 
silently. Spend a little bit of time just kind of like focusing your thoughts, your attention to what are you afraid of? What are the things that like cause fear to rise up in you? We're not going to share them out loud. Uh, We're not going to laugh at them. (laughs) What are you afraid of? Hold that thing somewhere. Stuff it down if it needs to be stuffed down. Write it down if you want to write it down so it gets off your brain. Uh, We'll come back to it. Um, This is from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified, but he has risen. He is not here. See, this is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's where the Gospel of Mark ends. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in the earliest manuscripts. Now if you look at your Bible, there's like a few more verses that kind of like try to like wrap up the story with a neat bow. This is where the earliest manuscripts that we have just end. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The last news in Mark's good news of Jesus is afraid. These people, these followers of Jesus, those closest to him were afraid. Fear is both something that emanates from within us and something that can be stirred up around us. Um, so we can be afraid of all the things that we are afraid of, um, or fear can, can happen outside of us and kind of affect the situation around us. So in my neighborhood, uh, like seven houses down, there are about 60 to 70 cats that live on the property, and they own the neighborhood. Like, we may live in the neighborhood, but they own the place. Uh, and these cats, they go wherever they want, but they, there's this one house that's kind of their house, but the whole neighborhood is their neighborhood. Um, and when I see the cats on my property... I like, I make as much noise as I can. I'm like snapping my fingers. I'm shouting out loud. I'm like rattling stuff. I'm like, I want these cats off my property because I'm sick of walking in all the stuff that the cats leave on my property. Um, I am inciting fear in the population of our neighborhood feral cats in order to get them to do something or in order to get them to stop doing some things, at least on my property. So if I can be loud enough, uh, creepy enough, scary enough, sudden enough, I think I can incite some fear that's going to move them to action. So fear can happen within us. We've talked about a lot of those things. And fear is something that can be utilized either against us or around us. So fear rising from within us can can trap us in the status quo of wherever we find ourselves. Fear swirling around us or being used against us can be incited and even weaponized to perpetuate injustice and broken systems. And we see this happening uh, in small ways, in big ways, in our own lives. 
We see this happening in our neighborhoods, and we certainly see this happening uh, right now in our national conversation or lack of conversation and action around immigration, uh, particularly on our southern border. Like, fear is the thing that's happening, and the result of that is, is happening right now um, in these detention camps across our southern border. So what do we as humans, what do we as Jesus followers do with all of this fear? How do we move forward? Over and over again, uh, throughout the Bible, the most often repeated thing, um, the most often repeated command given to humans, uh, the sacred and holy command, is to not be afraid. Happens over and over again from the beginning chapters of the Bible all the way through uh, the Gospels in the New Testament. Don't be afraid, but they were afraid. Fear not, but they were afraid. And they were afraid. Don't be afraid, but they were still afraid. It happens over and over and over again. It's the most often repeated command in the entirety of the scriptures. And kind of in like pop psychology lingo, we talk about facing our fears or conquering our fears or getting past our fears. Um, But this, this command, this repeated invitation command to fear not is repeated so often because I think fear is not just like a singular event that we overcome. We, we don't just like click our, our fingers, snap our fingers together, and just get over it. So the answer isn't simply to stop being afraid of spiders, but, but to grow as a person of courage in the face of the things that we fear. So as a kid, I, I would get afraid of spiders. I am afraid of spiders. As an adult, I'm afraid of spiders. I'm just going to say it. Um, as a kid, I would freak out, and I would sometimes scream, and I would be like, I want to get away from this spider that's crawling towards me real fast. I don't do that anymore. I'm still afraid of spiders, but somehow courage, the muscles of courage have been built up in me so that I'm still afraid of spiders, but now I simply relocate them from the inside of my house to the outside of my house where they can eat all the bugs they want. I'm still afraid of them, but I don't, like, fear doesn't manifest itself in the same way. And the c- muscles of courage have increased in me over the muscles, like the, the, re- the response of screaming out of fear. It's not like I'm still afraid of them, but courage has grown up in the face of the things that we fear. Um, at home, uh, we have these uh, two boys, and kids get scared. And we talk to our kids about being brave. And, and we tell them that being brave is not the same thing as not being afraid. You can be brave and still be afraid. Being brave means that even when you're afraid, you can still move forward. So bravery is not just about like, stop being afraid of that, be brave. It's like, yeah, there's some scary things in the world and we keep on moving forward. You figure out how to live in a house that has spiders. Be brave. It took courage for these three women in this story to set out toward the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Um, There's a bunch more disciples. There's a bunch more that we know really well. Only these three set out to do this thing, to head towards the tomb. It took some kind of courage. I don't know what the rest of them were doing, but they weren't acting out in courage as far as we can tell. So it took courage for these women to set out toward the tomb. They knew there was an obstacle in the way, but they didn't let it stop them. But at some point, near the end of these verses, fear cycles back into their story as this creepy ghost messenger that they encounter at the graveyard, like, with this, like, we understand why they might be afraid. Fear cycles back in as this messenger tells them, Jesus isn't here, and instead of anointing a dead body, they're supposed to go chase after a resurrected body. And they're like, we've never seen a resurrected body. And like, you're telling us to go chase after a ghost, and you're a ghost of some kind. It's like, this is a creepy story, and they're told to do something scary. Fear cycles back in. It makes sense. And for a while, fear grips these disciples, these women, but slowly courage pushes them through their fear. And the entire course of human history has changed as a result of these early Jesus followers moving through fear 
with courage. So the invitation to fear not, don't be afraid, that happens over and over and over again in the scriptures is almost always paired with something else. It's not just like, don't be afraid. Like, stop, stop being afraid. It's like, there's a corresponding command. Here it's, don't be alarmed. Jesus is out ahead. Go find Jesus. You can either sit in your fear or go find Jesus. So don't be afraid and go find Jesus. Don't be afraid. I have a message for you, so listen up. And they put this message into practice. There's almost always a corresponding action that's invited after this command to not be afraid. You may be afraid, but don't just sit in your fear. Move forward in courage. And here's a direction that you can go. So to the fear that rises up within us, I think the word of God to us is fear not. Don't be afraid. Grow in courage as you follow Jesus. And I want to invite us to to think and reflect for maybe one or two minutes on these things that rise up fear within us. Um, So I have some prompts up here for us. It's just a simple movement, kind of a silent liturgy that you can go through. um, And it's it's kind of, we're naming the space of fear, we're we're interrogating the fear, and then we're thinking about what is it that I can hold on to as I move through this fear. So let's take a minute or two. Just sit in this. You can jot it down. You can snap a picture of it if you want to do more on it later. Spend a minute or two just kind of processing through this fear that rises up within us. Um, We could probably spend an hour kind of sitting in that and processing through that and then processing together. We're not. Um, Other than our closets and the occasional front door, like there are these two places that we talked about where fear uh, typically jumps out at us from within, and then this thing that happens outside of us, the, the, the cat scarer in me. Um, so there's this external fear that's at work in the world around us. Um, this is a fear that, as we said, can be weaponized to gain or hold on to power, to perpetuate broken systems that continually, over the course of generations, can hurt people. Um, it's happening in our national conversation right now around immigration. Fear has been used to justify families being torn apart, kids being held in deplorable conditions. Um, and unfortunately, this isn't new. This is something that humans have done throughout history, Americans have done throughout history, using fear to, to uh, villainize and divide and turn would-be neighbors into strangers and enemies, to turn uh, would-be brothers and sisters into kind of like... Uh, people that we don't even see. So to this fear that rises up around us and against us and against others, um, I think the word of God to us is the same. Fear not, do not be afraid, and grow in courage as you follow Jesus. Um, I think it's probably obvious to, to, to a lot of us or most of us that our world uh, could really use some courageous Jesus followers right about now. And actually, probably some of the most courageous Jesus followers in the world right now are those who are migrating north and crossing borders in our direction. They're they're coming at us. So so maybe our our action as people who want to grow in courage as followers of Jesus is to listen to the stories of the courageous Jesus followers who are migrating north into our neighborhoods. Maybe we can learn about courage from them. Pirates. Pirates. How does this have anything to do with pirates, pirates and fear? Um, 
this. This is how it has something to do with pirates. Uh, this is from this book on pirates by Kester Bruin, uh, who's writing about pirates and about how they, they emerge anytime economies are blocked and they kind of stand in the face of, of systems and structures um, that are oppressive and hurting people. Uh, and Kester Bruin says, we might say that pirates did not raise the Jolly Roger, like the pirate symbol flag, as a symbol of violence, but rather as a declaration that no more violence could be done to them. They were dead, and yet they lived still. And thus, thus the empire should tremble in fear for the powerless slaves it had thought could only be tamed by death had gone beyond death and were free and living without fear. The powerless slaves it had thought could be only tamed by death had gone beyond death and were free and living without fear. If we imagine that following Jesus helps us construct a life that is stronger than death, that death is no longer the thing that we fear most, that death is no longer the inevitable end of our existence, of the momentum of our lives, everything changes. Because as soon as death and violence can do no more harm to us, we are free. As if for the first time, to live without fear, to grow courage at at a... astonishingly fast rate to, to power over our, our fear and live courageously and bravely in the world if we are not worried about death, if we trust that resurrection shifts and changes everything, if we believe that the tomb was empty and we're invited to, to imagine life as if life is stronger than death, everything changes. The things that we fear, the things that um, we're worried about, everything shifts and changes as we follow Jesus. These things grow in us. Even in the face of fear, we're invited to follow Jesus, to move forward, to go ahead and take another step and join the work of God in the world around us. We could keep on talking about fear, but I don't think that I can talk you out of your fears. Um, I, and I don't actually know that I can convince you into courage, but together, what, I, what I'm more confident about is that we are invited to follow Jesus, and that as we do that, I think our bravery will grow. And our courage will become louder than both the fear that rises, us, rises up within us and the fear that is spreading out around us. Does that make sense? Does that sound hopeful? It sounds hopeful to me. I want to be a person of courage. I want to be a person of bravery. And I think it happens as we step out and follow Jesus together. Um, we're going to close uh, by standing up and reading through a liturgical response um, that we read through together about two, two and a half years ago. Um, we're just going to read a portion of it tonight. So I'll read the part that's not bold, and then out loud uh, we will uh, say together the part in bold. But we're standing up, for sure. Perfect love cast out fear. Love perfected crosses city streets, social boundaries, political borders to love our neighbor. Perfect love casts out fear. Love perfected sees in the eyes of the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the outcast, the foreigner, the refugee, the very eyes of God. Perfect love casts out fear. Cast out the fear we have toward one another, seeing them as an other instead of a sister or brother. Perfect love casts out fear. Cast out the fear in our nation for our security and for our future. Perfect love casts out fear. Cast out fear from the White House. Cast out fear from Congress. Cast out fear from the Supreme Court. Cast out fear from our neighborhoods. Perfect love casts out fear. Cast out fear from our hearts. 
so we might choose to live in the way, truth, and life of your love. Let's pray. Jesus, you are love perfected. Uh, Perfect love in us, around us, and through us so that we might participate in your work of casting out fear. That fear might be diminished and courage might be increased in us and as it's increased in us, in our neighborhoods, in our houses and homes, in our workplaces, in the conversations we have with strangers, neighbors, extended family, whatever. Grow courage in us and diminish fear, Jesus. We trust that that is work that you are capable of doing. Help us to walk forward in that path. In your name we pray. Amen.